Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. And the parable of the prodigal son is an example in the Bible of how we can read a story, something that we know very, very well, and each time we read it, we can take something new, something different from it. Today I wanted to focus on the attributes of the father and how that relates to the prodigal son. It's funny, uh, it's interesting that over the past few weeks, there's been a lot of talk of fear given the spread of the, the virus and school closures and many of us have been afraid of sort of what it means for our family, for our friends, for our country. And this is, this is one type of fear, but there's another type of fear that I think we can discuss today that is relevant for the parable. Think about what would be the opposite of fear. You might say that the opposite of fear is courage. And I think in some cases you would be right. I think the, the message of the gospel this morning suggests that the opposite of fear is compassion. Because when there's not fear, there's no need for defensiveness. Judgment, for example, relies on fear. Hate relies on fear. Without fear, compassion becomes possible. If we're not defending ourselves, then the way is open for us to love. Think for a minute about the father in the story of the prodigal son. The father in the story of the prodigal son is fearless. He takes the risk of offering his sons their inheritance before his death. They could have taken everything. When the younger son decides to take him up on his offer, the father doesn't go back on his promise. He doesn't try to stop him. He freely embraces his son's freedom of choice. How many of us could do something like that? How many of us, when presented with the opportunity, confirm the freedom of others to act, even in ways that are opposed to our own values or our own interests? Most of us are afraid of freedom, but not the Father. He demonstrates fearlessness of the highest degree. We're meant to see, of course, in the Father the image of God. When the younger son returns, repenting of his sins, and the father graciously embraces him, the older son complains. How could you take him back like that? The older son believes that the father is too generous. To us, this generosity is our source of hope. God is exceedingly generous, welcoming, inclusive. God might even accept us even though we don't deserve it. That is sometimes a very hard concept for us to accept. The older brother cannot accept this concept. There are always some who base their belief on God and think about God as an angry God and an infinitely offended God. But this cannot be true. The Gospels show us a different God in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the living, breathing example of God who is exceedingly generous. The older son, in his complaining, he demonstrates the opposite. He is wedded to, attached to, his grudges. He won't let go of his anger. God is definitely not like this. The older brother is stuck in the past. And we all know what happens actually when we get stuck in the past. We suffer because the past is an illusion. It's not there anymore. But we're still trying to live in it. God, on the other hand, is eternally present. And the Father demonstrates what it means to live in the present without fear. He rejoices that the Son is home. The important thing now is that the Son is home. The past is over, it can't be changed. 
But the present, the sun is back. The sun returns with the necessary miraculous words that I've sinned, I'm sorry, on his lips. But actually the father runs to embrace him even before he's able to say these words. Remember what our Lord Jesus Christ says, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. God is generous. He has no ego to defend. God is not offended because he has no ego. The father in the parable is not offended because he has no ego to be offended. Only the ego can suffer offense. When we feel the pains of offense, the agony of fear, the fire of anger, it's a sign that our ego is at work. At that moment, our ignorance comes clearly and display. But actually, it's a time for us to be thankful. <coughs> this is actually a good thing. It points the way to our repentance. You know, our spiritual, one of my spiritual fathers once said, your obstacle is your path. So instead of getting down on ourselves for having some thoughts and feelings of anger or fear, we should give thanks and learn, that the tools, uh, learn about the tools that will allow us not to attach ourselves to them. We need to learn, practice continual watchfulness so that we don't sin. Fear is a fertile soil of offense. We're afraid, for example, that our social standing is going to be harmed. We're afraid that if I don't fight for my rights, people will not respect me. People will think bad things about me. But God doesn't fear. God has no self-interest. That's why God not offended. That's why God is all compassionate. We're reminded today of who we are, beloved children of God, who need to come to our senses and return to our loving, forgiving Father. No matter what we've done, no matter how we've diminished ourselves, no matter how we've broken our relationship with God, He patiently awaits our return, runs to greet us, welcomes us back into his family with joy and with celebration. It can be positive that the prodigal son in today's gospel didn't think that his father would react to him in this way. He asked his father for his inheritance, which is like telling the man that he should drop dead so that his son could have his money. And then the son traveled away, wasted his money, partying and immorality, ended up as a servant taking care of pigs, and was so hungry that he was eating from the pig's slop. And when the old man came to himself and he came to his senses and realized how miserable his life was and decided to return home, he decided to return home in hopes of becoming the servant of his father. He realized that he sinned against his father, that he wasn't worthy to be called his son anymore. No self-respecting father at that time and that place could be expected to do much more for such a rebellious and disrespectful son. Imagine if we were in the place of the father. Fear of my honor being hurt would stop me from forgiveness. Fear from our honor being hurt stops us from forgiving too. The young man would have been lucky to be taken back into the household even as the lowest servant. But the father doesn't act this way. In a way that must have shocked everyone listening to this story, he runs to greet his son, 
he embraces him, he kisses him, he gives him nice clothes, he slaughters a calf, he throws a big party for him. The father didn't judge, didn't condemn, didn't reject his son. He rejoices that his beloved child who was lost returned home. And this story of the prodigal son should shape all the repentance that we do in our lives, whether it's inside or during Lent or outside of Lent. It reminds us of who God is and who we are. In this parable, there are no limits to our Lord's mercy, no restraints in His compassion or His forgiveness. Our Lord, God and Savior Jesus Christ, was born, baptized, taught, worked miracles, who was crucified, was resurrected, ascended into heaven, all for our salvation. He came as the second Adam to restore us as children of God. To put us in our proper place, in the family of heaven, as those who are created in His divine image and likeness. Despite what many of us are tempted to believe, the Father is not a harsh, stern, hateful judge who is out to get us. In the same way, the Son of God did not come to condemn and to punish, came to save. We should have no fears about Him rejecting our repentance, no matter what we've done. He accepted and blessed everyone who came to Him in humble repentance during His earthly ministry. He embraced tax collectors, He embraced women caught in adultery, Gentiles, demon-possessed, His own apostles who denied and abandoned Him. Christ even prayed for forgiveness for the people who were crucifying Him. His abundant mercy and His compassion extend to all of us who call upon Him from the depths of our hearts. This story holds a mirror up to us and reminds us that like the prodigal son, we have at times foolishly rejected our true identity as children of God. We've chosen our own pride, our own self-centered desires, our habits, our preferences, our healthy over our healthy relationship with God the Father. And we bear the consequences of those decisions and actions. And we make ourselves and those around us miserable. That was the problem of the prodigal son. He abandoned his father in order to make his life a party. And he ended up in a big pigsty. You know, by the way, to the Jews, pigs were unclean. So the Lord is trying to make it clear that this person has truly sort of hit rock bottom. No matter what our particular set of temptations might be, we should all admit that we are in the place of the prodigal son. We have not lived faithfully as sons and daughters of the Lord. We've chosen our own will over God's. We've asked for our inheritance. Whatever good things we can get. And then we use them however we please. In thought, in word, in deed. We have done our best at times to live as though God was dead and as though He is no longer our Father and we are no longer His children. Lent is a time set aside in the church calendar to come to our senses, to recognize the truth of what we've done to ourselves and begin our journey back to the Lord. We have a major advantage, by the way, over the prodigal son. We know that our Heavenly Father wants nothing more than to restore us to His family. He wants nothing more than to forgive, to heal, 
to bless, to return us to our proper dignity as sons and daughters of the Most High. Lent, by the way, is not about getting God to change His mind about us. He loves us. Lent is about changing our minds and lives in order to return to God. No amount of prayer, of fasting, of almsgiving will ever alter anything about God. But these tools are useful in helping us see the truth about ourselves, about our sinfulness, and in opening our lives to the mercy which our Lord Jesus Christ extends always to repentant sinners. But we have to be careful. Some of us hear the words sinfulness and repentance and immediately think of God as harsh, unforgiving, out to punish us. Maybe terrified of God and thinks He wants us to be miserable. So we obsess about our failings. We judge ourselves as hopeless cases when we aren't perfect. And we end up taking the joy out of our lives. The good news for us is that God did not create us for a joyful life of despair, but to share the blessedness of His life. The eternal Son of God became one of us to heal our broken humanity and bring us into the joy of the kingdom. We pray, we fast, we give alms, we forgive our enemies as ways of embracing this healing, of accepting His gracious transformation of our lives. Like the sun who was in the pigsty, we also need to come to our senses, see the truth about God, see the truth about ourselves, act accordingly. It is only in our stubborn refusal which holds us back from entering into the joy of the Lord. So let's use the rest of the period of Lent to get over this stubbornness, to swallow our pride, to overcome our fears, and to return home to a Father who loves us more than we can imagine. So much that He sent His only begotten Son to restore us to the dignity of His sons and daughters. This Lent, let us make it a period of time running home back to Him. And glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.